0: The thief comes not, except to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you might have and enjoy life, life in abundance until it overflows. Discover how to live the abundant life in Christ through the ministry of Pastor Oseo Afuaqua. Pastor Afuaqua is the founder and general overseer of Embassy of Life Chapel, a thriving ministry headquartered in Kumasi with a network of churches in Kumasi and Accra, Ghana.
1: Okay, come with me to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse number 1 to 5. He says, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, about the grace that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. Turn to your neighbor and say, given is grace. grace. Say, given is grace giving has to do with receiving grace from God and responding to that grace from God. I want you to know about the grace given to the churches of Macedonia. What did this grace do? Verse 2 in the midst of a very severe trial their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty well up in rich generosity for I testify That they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability entirely on their own. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. And they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord and then by the will of God also to us. He says verse 4 they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. We are looking at giving as an opportunity, understanding giving as an opportunity. And this morning, my question is: given a problem or a privilege. What is given to you? Is it a problem or a privilege? Some people get offended when they hear the subject of giving. So for them, giving is a problem. There are others who get excited. When they hear the subject about giving, it's all a reflection of the nature you have received. If you have received the nature of Christ, which is the nature you receive the moment you get born again, giving must be seen as a privilege. And when giving becomes a privilege, the way you do it is different. These guys gave and they gave in a unique way. They gave with a unique attitude. They gave in a way that God was pleased with their giving. Last week, I told you that when we talk about the churches of Macedonia, we are talking about the church of Thessalonica, we are talking about the church of Philippi, and we are talking about the church of Berea. Those are the, four, the three churches that constitute the churches of Macedonia. But one of the churches that scripture took time to write about of the three churches is the church of Philippi. And that was a wonderful church that understood the subject and the concept of giving so well. So we want to look at single the church of Philippi out and look at something in the book of Philippians chapter 4 and verse number 10. But I rejoice in the Lord greatly that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. They had no opportunity. They look for an opportunity to be a blessing to Apostle Paul and to stand with him in the gospel ministry. But they had no opportunity. Then he says, I'm not saying this because I am in need for I have learned to be content. Whatever the circumstance is. Verse 12. He says, I know what it is to be, need, to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. Verse 13, he says, I can do all this through him who strengthens me. Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles moreover as you philippians know in the early days of the acquaintance with the gospel when i set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you only now he says for even when i was in thessalonica you sent me aid more than once when i was in need not that i desire a gift or gifts what I desire is that more will be credited to your account. So that's one of the things giving does for us. Giving gives us the privilege of getting more credited to our accounts. When God asks you for a thing, it's not because he's in need. It's because he wants to have an opportunity to credit more to your account. you hear what I'm saying. In the book of 1 Timothy 6, 17 to uh, 19, he says, Charge them that are rich in this way, that they be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God, who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. Then he says, that they do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate. Ready to distribute, willing to communicate. Storing up, somebody says, storing up. Storing up for themselves. That's what we do. When we give, we are only storing up. That's what the book of Ecclesiastes says. Cast thy bread upon the water. For thou shalt find it after many days. Give a portion to seven and a portion to eight. For you do not know when evil shall be upon the earth. So when we give, we are simply storing up. That's what the Bible says. Philippians chapter 4. He was talking about the fact that. These guys gave in order for it to be credited to the account. I think chapter four, verse seventeen. Okay, Philippians four seventeen. Not that I seek a gift, but I seek that fruit will abound to your account. He says, verse eighteen. Indeed, I have all and abound. I, ha- I am full, having received from Epaphroditus the thing sent from you, a sweet smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice. This man was using words that were first used in Genesis. You remember when uh, Noah made the sacrifice, the Bible said it came before God as a sweet-smelling uh, smelling aroma. That's what he's talking about here. He said, and a, sa- a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. Now, that is something that is very important for us to note. When we give, it must be a sacrifice acceptable. It must be something well-pleasing to God. That is the only condition God requires to reward our giving. When your giving becomes a sacrifice acceptable and is well-pleasing to God, then verse 19 will become a natural cause. They gave, but how did they give? Paul was talking about the Macedonian church of which Philippa, the church of Philippa was part. And he was telling us how they gave. Where you understand giving as an opportunity, how you give is different. There are many people who give and they give with all kinds of attitudes. And you see, the attitude with which we give what we give is more important to what we give to God. God is not poor. The earth is a loss and the fullness are off the world and day that therein. the bible says he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the hills in the book of psalm 50 he says the cattle on a thousand hills are mine then he says in the book of uh, the same chapter he says if i were hungry i will not tell you so when we have an opportunity to give to god and we understand it as such our approach is different three things happen When we understand giving as an opportunity, three things happen. When we understand giving as an opportunity, the first thing that happens is that we seize the opportunity to give whenever we get it. When you understand that giving is an opportunity, you seize the opportunity to do it whenever it's presented before you. In fact, you get happy that it is even presented before you. Galatians chapter 6 verse 10. He says, so then as occasion and opportunity opens up to us. So then while we as individual believers have the opportunity, let us do good to all people, not only being helpful, but also doing that which promotes your spiritual well-being, especially be a blessing to those of the household of faith, born again believers, to be precise. So that's what happened. Let's see the Macedonian church. This is Paul challenging the Corinthian church to excel in giving. And he cited the example of the Macedonian church to do that. Come back with me to Second Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1-4. to 4. He says, We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia for a severe test of affliction. The abundance of their joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of rich generosity on their part. For they gave to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us look at what the bible is saying begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints these were people who understood what giving was they were begging for the opportunity because you see at the time that this thing was happening in judea and they needed to give they themselves were also going through serious times the church in Macedonia was not at ease Most people think that they can only give when they are at ease. No. The giving that really means a lot to God is a giving that comes out of sacrifice. Giving is one thing that there is no better time to do. There is no better time to give. If you look at the Old and the New Testament, there was not a better time for anyone to give. When Elijah met the woman, she had the last meal that she was dependent on. But when she was challenged and she responded, that which she needed was supernaturally supplied. So, he says, they were begging for the privilege. When giving is a privilege, you beg for the opportunity to do so. I read the story of a woman who went to a church and then when they finished the church, The pastor didn't ask for offering. And then he went to the pastor. He said, everything about your service has been awesome. The only challenge I have is that you rob me of the opportunity to give. That spirit is not common. But it's a spirit that you see from one who is mature. One who understands the dynamics of his relationship with God. When we understand giving us an opportunity, we seize it whenever it's presented to us. Number two, we understand giving us an opportunity. We give with the right attitude. We give with the right attitude. And today, my focus is going to be on the attitude with which we give. The attitude with which we give. He says, our, offering, our friends, we want you to know what God's grace has accomplished in the churches of Macedonia. I'm reading from Second Corinthians 8, verse 1 to 5. And I'm reading from the Good News Version this time. They have, severely tested by the, they have been severely tested by the troubles they went through. But their joy was so great, they were extremely generous in their giving. Even though they were very poor. So you see that generosity is not a function of how much a person has. One can be poor and yet very generous. One can be rich and yet very stingy. The example that Jesus gave us of the poor widow and the rest of the others who gave is a a typical reflection of when one is poor and yet generous and yet one is very rich and yet very stingy. The Bible says they were severely troubled, tested in many troubles, but their joy was so great and they were extremely generous in giving. Even though they were very poor, I can assure you that they gave as much as they could and even more than they could. Of their own free will. Of their own free will. Of their own free will. They begged us and pleaded for the privilege of having a part in helping God's people in Judea. It was more than we hoped for. First, they gave themselves to the Lord. And then, by God's will, they gave themselves to us. Turn to your neighbor and say, your attitude in giving giving. matters a great deal to God your attitude in giving when you are giving to somebody who is needy there's a way you go about it when you are giving to someone who is also worthy that's a way you go about it you don't give to a worthy person as if you are helping the person you don't give to a worthy person anything in fact usually when you are going to give to someone who is high and worthy or someone who is uh, highly respected you have to carefully think about what you are going to give is that not what we do yeah because you you're looking at the person and you don't know whether or not that will be okay with the person whether the person will be accepted in fact if you are very meticulous you may want to find out about people are even close to the person to be sure the exact thing that may make meaning to the person that is how our giving to god must be In the book of Genesis, God demonstrated right from the beginning that what people give to him matters a great deal. Genesis, the Bible says in Genesis chapter 4 and verse 3, In the course of time, Cain brought an offering to the Lord of the fruit of the ground. The Bible said, But Abel brought an offering of the finest firstborn. Look at that, finest firstborn. He did not just bring anything. Cain brought anything he could pick. Go to verse 3. It's it's interesting. God demonstrated his attitude from the beginning of the Bible and from the beginning of the Old Testament. Uh, No, Genesis really is not. From the beginning of creation or from the beginning of the Bible to the end of the Old Testament. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. Verse 4. He says, but Abel. Somebody say Abel brought an offering of the fineness of the firstborn of his flock and the fat portions. Okay? And the Lord had respect. Somebody say God had respect. God had respect. Yeah, God had respect regard for Abel and for his offering. Take note. Two words. God respected the person of Abel and he had respect for his offering. He had respect. And you see, When you read this account, you may not see the import of that statement. Because it looks like God just had respect to it uh, for Abel and his offering and and that was all. But that was not all. The Bible said he had respect for his offering and his person. And it was whatever God did to demonstrate his respect and offering for Abel was visible enough for his brother to see and become envious of him. That's why you think it's, it's just, oh, I respect your offering. Thank you for this uh, nice offering. No, God must have rewarded him with something that was so enviable, so so glorious, so powerful that his elder brother saw it and said, ah, I made a mistake. But I think the only way to reverse this mistake and to get it out of the way is to make sure that this guy doesn't live. Go on to verse 5. Let's see it. But Cain and his offering, he had no respect. He had respect for this one. So there are times you present something to God and he says, I respect it. Other times, I don't respect it. God is very fastidious when it comes to our offerings and our giving. He says he had no respect. So Cain became extremely angry, indignant, and he looked annoyed and hostile. Now, if it was just about words of expression, words saying that I'm okay with what you gave me, then there's no way that Cain should be angry. But God must have done something specifically for him to see and be envious and angry. Giving provokes God. Turn to your name and say, giving provokes God. Now, that's Genesis. Let's look at Malachi. Malachi is actually a book that God was uh, reprimanding the pastors and the teachers and the priests at the time because the priests were to be... Uh, uh, held liable for whatever misbehavior the congregation was doing. time something is going wrong among the congregation, God holds leadership accountable. And so, he came for the priest. And so, when you read the book, the book is likely a book uh, uh, for God's instruction and warning to the priest. Look at it. He said, I am the, uh, the Lord. All powerful have I, the Lord. All powerful have something to say to you priests. Now, Whatever God is saying to the priest is by extension to the flock. So follow closely. He said, Children respect their fathers. Children respect their fathers, and servants respect their masters. I am your father and your master. So why don't you respect me? Now listen, he is talking about offering, and he's saying respect. In Genesis, he talks about offering, and he says, I feel disrespected. I feel dishonored. By what you've done unto me. He says, you priests have insulted me. And now you ask, how did we insult you? This is God. You have insulted me. How did we insult you? Go to verse number 7. He says, you embarrass me by offering worthless food on my altar. Wetless food. wetless food on my altar. Then you ask, how have we embarrassed you? You have done it by saying... What's so great about the Lord's altar? So, when we are giving and we don't put intentionality to what we are giving to God, we don't give that which is honorable to God, God feels disrespected and disarned. He said, what's so great about the Lord's altar? In other words, I mean, what is really unique about giving to the Lord? Why should I be meticulous about it? Verse 8. Verse 8 tells us something. He said, but is it... Isn't it wrong to offer animals that are blind? Okay? Today you don't offer animals. You offer money. So the money you are offering must be one that is acceptable. One that is in good condition. Not the one everybody has rejected. He says... You offer the lame or the sick. Just try giving those animals to your governor. In other words, God is saying, whatever your governance, the people you hold in high esteem, the people you respect and honor, whatever you give them and will not be acceptable, don't try it on me. In other words, by God bringing himself to the level of people you honor, he has actually, because anybody you honor cannot be as valuable to you as God is. That's what the Bible is saying. He said, just try giving it to those. That certainly wouldn't please him or make him want to help you. At times you give something to God and he looks at it and He says, Hey, these guys, are they serious with me? Do, do they really know my value and my worth? God was angry because the priests were supposed to teach the people how to give and what to give to God. That's why I told you yesterday that it's a worse check to be in where you are not taught what to do with your money. Because anywhere you are not spoken to about your money, your heart will soon and gradually be drifting away from God. The thing that determines where our heart is going closely is our money. Anything you put your money in, you see that you develop passion and aggression for it in a unique way. That's what the Bible is saying here. So our attitude, somebody say my attitude. attitude. Your attitude in giving, it's so important to God. When we understand giving as an opportunity, one, we give when we ever, when the, whenever the opportunity is presented to us. And then we do so with the right attitude. And then number three, we receive profitable returns on our giving. When we understand giving as an opportunity, one, we give whenever we have the opportunity. We give with the right attitude. And then we receive profitable returns on our giving. How many of you know that God rewards us on our givings? God is a rewarder. He never cheats anyone. God is a rewarder. He rewards us on our giving. He says, what you give is acceptable. What you give is pleasing to the Lord. And so, he will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. In the book of Proverbs eleven twenty five, the message version says, The world of the generous gets larger and larger. May your world get larger and larger. Amen. Go to verse 24. It says, The world of the generous gets larger and larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller and smaller. May your world not be smaller. In the mighty name of Jesus Amen. in the book of Second Corinthians, chapter 9, verse 6 to 11, we see this. Remember this whoso sows spirally will also reap spirally, and whoso sows gener- generously will reap also generously. Each of you should decide should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not re- reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able, take note. And God is able to make you aban- bless you abundantly. May the Lord bless you abundantly. Amen. I said, May the Lord bless you abundantly. Amen. God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound on every good work. As it is written, They have freely scattered their gifts to the poor, and their righteousness endures forever. Now, take note. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for, the, for food will also multiply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. In other words, when we give, that's what happens. God increases our store of seeds. So, when you give, what, one of the things God does is that he prospers you so you can be more generous. Are you with me here? That, that's, what, that's what God does. When you give, He gives you more so you can be more generous. He doesn't give you more so you can hold. He gives you more so you can be more generous. He said, and like the harvest of your righteousness, go to verse 11, you will be enriched. May you be enriched. Now listen, all of these things I'm saying are predicated on giving with the right attitude. These two chapters, I told you last week that 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and chapter 9 were exclusively devoted to giving. And all the principles about giving and what to do with money and all of that are outlined there. It says you'll be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. Why will God respond to your giving with prosperity so you can be generous on every occasion? There are people who go like God does not, uh, when you give money, God does not give money. I've heard it said across lately. Apart from the fact that that is inconsistent with God's character. There is no way God can also sustain his work without that. A faithful man shall abound, not be limited. A faithful man shall abound with blessing. And he that maketh haste to be raised shall not be innocent. He said, you've been faithful over a few things. I will make you a ruler. When people distinguish themselves as being faithful stewards, God makes them more. He, he he, He hands over more to them so they can demonstrate faithful stewardship. Are you with me here? So it's important we appreciate that. He says you'll be enriched on every occasion so you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. As I prepare to close, let me show you five positive attitudes that must characterize our giving. These were attitudes that characterized the giving of the Macedonian church and they must characterize our giving as well. Number one, how did the Macedonian church give? Maybe let's read this for the last time. Second Corinthians chapter 8 verse 1 to 5. Our friends, we want you to know what God's grace accomplished in the churches of Macedonia. I can assure you verse 3, I can assure you that they gave as much as they could and even more than they could of their own free will, of their own what? Of their own free will. When sometimes you hear people criticizing pastors and doing all kinds of things, I see people are forced and compelled to give. People give of their own free will. He says, I can assure you that they gave as much as they could and even more than they do of their own free will. Verse 4, they begged us and pleaded with us for the privilege of having a part in helping God's people in Jerusalem. It was more than we could hope for. First, somebody say first. They gave themselves to the Lord and then by God's will, they gave themselves to us. How did they give so well? Number one, they gave themselves to the Lord. They gave themselves to the Lord. You know why it's difficult for you to give? And you debate with God whether it's 10%, 20% and all of those things. (laughs) It's an indication that you've not given yourself to God. It's an indication that you have not given. You see, it's much easier to give to the Lord... It's much easier to give your money to God when you have given your heart to the Lord. And giving does not begin with your money, giving begins with your heart. Somebody say, Giving does not begin with my money, it begins with my heart. That's why you can have a poor person who is giving so much and a rich person who is giving virtually nothing because their hearts. Have not been given. He says the first thing they did was to give their heart to the Lord. They gave themselves to the Lord. They gave, listen, this is a a principle that runs both Old and New Testament. God accepts your person and then he accepts your offering. If you remember in Genesis, he said God had respect to the person of Abel and then his offering. So if God is not pleased with your person, neither will he be pleased with your offering. They gave themselves to the Lord. They gave themselves. Every time we have offering, every time we are giving anything, you must understand that it is an integral part of your dedication to God. Somebody say, my giving giving. is an integral part of my dedication to God. And when you read the book of Romans chapter 12 and verse number 1, let's read Romans chapter 12 verse 1. You are called and I am called to give ourselves as yielded vessels unto God. Romans 12 verse 1 and 2. Romans 12. I urge you brothers and sisters by the mercies of God to present your bodies, dedicating all of yourself. Somebody say all of myself. Set apart as a living sacrifice, holy and well-pleasing to God, which is your rational, logical, intelligent act of worship. Giving does not begin with your money. It begins with your heart. So when you are struggling to let go of anything, you must understand that it is an indication that your heart is not yielded to God. And the people God entrusts with much are people whose hearts are yielded unto him. He told Solomon, he said, my son, give me your heart. And let your eyes observe my way. We see this example in the life of David. Look at David. David is preparing. the. Uh, God, He wanted to build a temple for God. God said, don't do it. And because his heart was so sold out to God, David said in the book of 1 Chronicles 29 verse 3, he said, moreover, because I have set. Later on in the book of Acts, we are told that David was really set. He said, I have set my affection on the house of my God. Because I have set, because his affection was there, he could give. He said, because I have set my affection, I have given to the house of my God over and above all that I have prepared for the Holy House. My own special treasure of gold and silver. He did not give first. He set first. He said, what? He set first. Where is your heart set? There are people whose heart are set on money. They struggle to give. You see, giving amongst many opportunities, giving is an opportunity to prove that you have overcome greed. You demonstrate, when you give, you demonstrate that money is not your Lord. Jesus is your Lord. Are you with me here? Eh? That's what, you, that every time you give, that's what you are simply saying. That's why we give. When we give, we are establishing that Jesus is Lord of our lives and not money. He says, because I have set my affection on the house of my God. Read the book of Acts chapter 13, verse 22. David was not after things, he was after God. He said, when he had removed him, he raised up David to be the king, of whom he testified and said, I have found found in David, the son of Jesse, a man after mine, a man after mine, a man after mine. David was not after wealth. He was after God's heart. And so later on, when the man was dying, the Bible said David died in a good old age, full of days, riches and honor. Why? Because his heart went after God. When our heart goes, our substance easily goes. So giving begins with ourselves. Somebody say ourselves. ourselves. We don't give unto God until first of all, we have given ourselves over to him. King Solomon did the same thing. In the book of first Kings chapter 3, verse 3 to 4. And Solomon loved the Lord. 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 3 to 4. Solomon loved the Lord. Somebody says Solomon, Solomon loved the Lord. Solomon did what? He loved the Lord. First Kings 3:3. Three, three. Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the status of the Lord, blah, 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 verse 4. And then he said, and the king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there. He didn't go to sacrifice and then love the Lord. He loved the Lord and he went to Gibeon and sacrifice. That's the order. It always starts from the giving of ourselves to the Lord. Why? Because Matthew six twenty one, where your treasure is. That's where your heart will be. When your treasure is with God, your heart goes with God. Number two, they gave according to their ability. They gave according to what? They gave according to their ability. They gave according to their ability. They gave according to their ability. There are a lot of people who debate that in the New Testament, there is no percentage given. And to some extent, I agree. As long as they will affirm the fact that in the New Testament, you give according to your ability. Most of the time, people who say there's no percentage are also people who are not willing to give according to their ability. In other words, if you are not giving 10% and God has given you 200,000, he expects you to give according to your ability. He expects you to do according to your ability. And these same people, once it comes to, when the money is more, the 10% is not much. But when the money is much, that's when they begin to debate with God. They gave according to their ability. According to their ability. Last week I read to you, when the Bible says, they were all willing to send a relief and everybody decided to give according to their ability. God accepts our offerings when it is according to our ability. He expects us to give according to our ability. And then beyond our ability, we we'll see that. He says, our friends want you to know God's grace accomplishes. They have been severely tested by the troubles they went through. But their joy was so great that they were extremely generous. Even though they were poor, they gave according to their means so I can testify. That's the first one. So you give according to your ability. Somebody say, "I I give according to my ability. Now listen, when you are giving according to your ability, we can look at it as planned giving. That kind of giving really doesn't push you much because according to your ability. Yeah, it's according to your ability. That is more convenient giving. So you plan to give according to your ability. But the giving of Christ also demands that we give beyond our ability. That's what they did. They gave first according to your ability and then beyond their ability. Let's look at that in verse number 3. For they gave according to their means as I can testify and beyond their means. Verse 3, please. I can assure you that they gave as much as they could and even more than they could of their own free will. That's very important. They gave according to the ability of their own free will. They gave beyond their ability of their own free will. I used to be of the school that you don't have to borrow to give until somebody <laughs> did that. When, when you see, when it comes to the matters of giving and receiving eh, nobody can play some fast rules with it. It's a faith thing. Are you with me here? It's a faith thing. The last meal between Elijah and, mind you, even in those times, people had issues with prophets. So, prophets have not had problems just in our recent times. They've always had problems. Because usually the instructions God gives them to give are not things that logical people want to follow. if you look at Old Testament prophetic ministry... All the instructions were crazy instructions. Go and marry a harlot. I mean, who, who goes to marry a harlot? Your scientific man will tell you all the women, uh, the men he has, you are contracting venereal diseases. Don't risk it. Don't be a fool. Use your brain and let them consistently again and again. Go to the uh, valley of dry bones and be speaking. Then he stood in the valley of dry bones and he's speaking. Bone, come to bone. I mean, Everybody will tell you that's lunacy, but that's prophetic ministry. Instructions, all the instructions they give usually are contrary. So they demand faith. And when faith goes, results will always accompany. When he took that step, they gave beyond their ability and beyond their ability. Listen, New Testament giving is not percentage giving. But you need to understand that New Testament giving is sacrificial giving. It's sacrificial giving. And I know this is a generation of self-seeking, self-centered, selfish people. When you really understand New Testament giving, you will thank God for 10% giving. Yeah, you really thank God for 10%. That's why I don't want us to be a 10% church. I want you to grow and mature to a place where you give according to how God has prospered you. God does not decide how much he gives you in return for your giving. You decide that. You decide that. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 5. So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to visit you in advance and finish the arrangement for the generous gift you have promised. Then it will be ready as a generous gift and not as one gradually give this is what he says. Look at verse 6. This is something that must characterize our giving in the New Testament. He said, remember this. Whosoever sows sparingly will also reward. In other words, when you are giving your 10%, be minded that it's 10% reward that will come to you. He says, and whosoever sows generously will also reward generously. Now go to verse 7. He said, let each man give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So, you say, oh, I'm supposed to give whatever I decide to give, and I'm going to give small. He says, before he said that, he said, remember that what you sow will reflect in what you reap. They gave according to the ability. They gave beyond the ability. That's sacrificial giving. Somebody says sacrificial giving see, the whole Christian faith is a life of sacrifice. And I tell you, if you don't learn to sacrifice, you cannot live a meaningful Christian life. You cannot somewhere. If you don't learn to sacrifice, we are talking about your life. We are talking about your money. We are talking about everything. Because that's what Christianity is about. It's a life of sacrifice. The early text, the Bible says, some who have learned sold them and they gave it up. How can you sell your land if your heart has not gone with God already? It's not possible. Sacrifice. The Bible said they did not love their lives even unto death. That's how we are saved. Jesus did not love his life. He gave it up. Now we are saved. The early church did not love their lives. They gave them up. And now we are saved. If we love our lives, how would the generation after us be saved? How would the generation after us be saved? Do you know how the gospel came to Africa? One day I would take time and walk you through how the gospel came to Africa and how today we too can be filled with the Holy Ghost and speak in tongues. The kind of sacrifice that Basel Mission, those who came in, uh, to the Kwau Mountains with the gospel, how those people, the kind of life they led, James McEwen, the kind of life they led for us to now be saved. We are not called to live a lesser life. Most of the time, people think that grace makes you do less. Grace empowers you to do more. Last night, I think, uh, last one of the days, I think Friday, was I was praying here and the Holy Ghost was telling me to teach on the grace that saves. The grace that saves. Grace does not make you do less. Grace empowers you to do better. So, when somebody understands the grace of God, They don't live in sin. Their holiness is better than holiness under the law. The reason why a lot of people fear the subject of grace is because they feel that when people get, uh, uh, grace means that do whatever you want to do. No, 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 no. Grace overflows your heart with gratitude and a sense of uh, uh, gratitude to the point that you want to give up everything just to honor the one who so loved you and gave you everything. That's what grace does. They gave beyond their ability. Number four, they gave willingly. They gave what? They gave willingly. He says, chapter 8, verse 3. I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, beyond their ability, they were freely willing. They were freely what? They were freely willing. God enjoys people who give willingly. In Exodus 35, verse 5. He said, take you from among you an offering unto the Lord. Whosoever is of a willing, whosoever is of a willing, let him bring it. An offering of the Lord, gold, silver, and brass. Whatever you are giving to the Lord, let it be willing. If you are giving your time as sacrifice, it should be willing. You You should not be serving God as if you are under compulsion. There should be a sense of willingness in what you are doing. Willingness. Exodus chapter 35 verse 20 to 22. He says and all the congregation of the children of Israel departed from the presence of Moses and they came everyone whose heart stirred him up. Everyone whom his spirit made willing and they brought the Lord's offering to the work of the tabernacle of the congregation and for all his service and for the holy garments and they came both men and women as many as were willing hearted. Somebody say say willing hearted. Say willing hearted. And then, of course, what you are very, very familiar with, God loves a cheerful giver. So we need to give joyfully. Somebody say joyfully. Our friends, in closing, our friends, we want you to know what God's grace has accomplished in the churches of Macedonia. They have been severely tested by the troubles they went through, but their joy was so great, and they were so great that they were so great that they were extremely generous in their giving, even though they were very poor. Do you know that one of the key ingredients for longevity is joy? Do you know joy? Joy. 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 I read a book, I think, uh, five years ago, about... Uh, is it five years ago? About three years ago, about it's, uh, longevity. It's a, it's a book about long life. And it's not it's not too... Uh, spiritus, as it were. It just gives you practical keys. And he was talking about many things. One of the things he talked about is people who fellowship. Being in church helps you to live long. Yeah, being in church consistently, fellowshipping with God's people helps you to live long. And then he talked about joy. And one of the things that gives you joy is giving. Do you know that? When you give, there's this joy that flows out of you. Most of the time, when we talk about giving and the rewards of giving, we we only look at the material side. But you see, there are some uh, immaterial blessings giving brings to us that helps to elongate our lives. It makes a difference. They were joyful. They were broke, but they were joyful. Why? Their joy was that they had the opportunity and the privilege of helping others who were needed than them. Every time we stretch our hands of love... We stretch our giving arms to help others. The joy of the Lord overflows our hearts. And joy is strength. Joy is medicine. Joy positions you to receive your harvest. The Bible says with joy, we shall draw water out of the wells of salvation. He says the harvest is dry because joy is withered from the midst of men. I pray that beginning from today, we will give with the right attitude. Amen. That our giving will be one of generosity. Our giving will be characterized with love. Our giving will be an expression of our deep honor and reverence for God. In the name of Jesus. And as we give so, may the Lord, who is a rewarder, richly reward our giving. May the Lord multiply our seeds. In the mighty name of Jesus. Giving is grace. May the grace to give rest upon your life. May the grace to give rest upon your life. In the mighty name of Jesus. That in all circumstances, no matter the challenge, you will always be rich and empowered to give. Receive that grace now in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. If you want to accept Jesus and make him your Lord and Savior, you want to say this prayer after me. Mean every word and then believe it in your heart. Say, Lord Jesus, I confess that you are my Lord and my Savior. I believe with my heart that you died and rose again for me. By my belief I am justified, and by my confession I am saved. Thank you for saving me in Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen. If you pray that prayer in faith, you are a new creation, all things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. God bless you. We we'll look forward to having you join us again and again. We are blessed.